Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Invisible Scars. Uh, this is Michelle Villapiano, and I am here with my friend, Gina Smith. Hi, Gina. Hi, Michelle. Say hi. 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 <laughs> so um, today we are going to talk about fear. That's the title of this episode. And um, I always... Recently, I've said that the word or the letters in fear represent false evidence appearing real. And when it comes to emotional abuse, the intention of the abuser is to paralyze us by making us constantly live in fear and worry. And there's about 10 main fears that they try to instill in us. Um, the first one is, you, you know, you're afraid that you're unlovable. Uh, the second, you're afraid that you can't manage without them. The third, um, you'll never find someone as wonderful as he is or she is. Um, the fourth is that no one else will ever want you. The fifth is it's too late for you to start over and find someone else. Um, number six, you'll never get over him or her. Number seven um, is that he or she will be happy with someone else. Number eight is there's no decent men out there. Nine is um, we'll regret walking away from the situation. And then the final fear is what will people think uh, if we leave this person who, you know, thinks that they're so great because that's the perception they've created with everybody else, right? Right. So... Um, and I, I found this quote that said, forget about trying to change your narcissist, change your circumstance. Um, so what I want to talk about is some things that you and I were afraid of uh, during our relationship and then outside of the relationship. Uh, I know with me, one of the things that that stood out was what will people think? Because everyone thought that I was just always in a bad mood or just, you know, miserable or being, what did they call me? They called me prissy. They said I was prissy. I'm like, um, but it was usually because of things that he had said to me or done to me. That was one of my biggest fears. And the other one was, where am I going to find anyone? And I was, 30, oh God, I left in 2005, I was 37, you know? So I definitely was worried about those things in, in terms of myself. Are there, um, sorry, are there ones that you were afraid of or that you thought about and that concerned you before you made the decision to leave? Uh, sure, I think, you know, the biggest fear anybody has is, you know, for one, am I making the right decision? Um, you know, that that's the hardest one, I think, in trying to justify, especially when you feel like you can't put your finger on what the exact problem is. So mm -hmm. I would have to say, you know, just knowing that you're making the right decision because it is such a life changing decision. Um, and then, you know, it I is. grew up in an Italian upbringing and I was actually the fourth first to divorce in my family. So 
I grew up with the notion of what is everybody else going to think? It was instilled in my brain growing up that you worry about what every el everyone else is going to think. So that naturally was a thought um, aside with so many other things. But those are the first two things that come to mind when I think of it. I remember when we were talking about this and you were you had spoken to your sister about it but you were nervous about telling your parents for that exact reason. Nobody, you know, in our Italian culture, you don't get divorced, you stay married, you work right. through it. But, but they really, they were fooled by him and they had, they had no idea. And what gave you, how did you finally get the courage to talk to your parents about it? Well, I had had enough ups and downs with him and, um, you know, really was being treated poorly and just not being given the sense that I had any value or worth to him. And I started looking for lawyers and just getting information in case I decided to to make the decision, but, you know, um, I had my sister's support. She knew everything I was going through right. and, um, I needed some financial assistance and, um, you know, I, part of my reason to talk to them was, you know, also to ask for some financial assistance that way, if I wanted to make the move that I could, because financially I wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise to get off my feet. Um, but there were so many different things that added up to making that decision. But I think I was just at my wits end with my emotions of feeling a sense of worthlessness that I either needed to do something to make take myself out of the situation or something different had to change. And I saw no other changes coming. I know with me, my fear was losing Jordan because he made me believe every opportunity that he had to tell me you will never win custody of her. I have a stable home. She has her brother and sister. She's never going. She's never going to be able to uh, live with you and and move to New Jersey. And that was one of the biggest things that it's it scared me to death. I couldn't imagine yeah, not. You are. I would imagine you know, being with so. her, not not seeing her. So, I I wanted to talk about a, a couple of very specific situations that we were, uh, you and I were involved in with him. And for that year that I guess you lived in that house where you weren't allowed to talk to anybody, including Juliana, unless it was your scheduled time. Right. There was a point where he convinced you that Jordan was terrified of you. And I remember at one point he was trying to get a restraining order against you. Yes. Yes. He did try that. 
And it was, um, and, oh, go ahead, Michelle. No, I, no, it's okay. It's okay. Go ahead. I was just going to say, as you know, it was something I struggled with very much because Jordan is your daughter and we were friends, um, yet mm -hmm. I was living in a home with your daughter and unable to talk to her because I was being told she was afraid of me. So, right. Didn't and I mean, you used to, you were, it, it was very traumatic for you because I, there were so many times that you would call me and say, you know, I, I, I feel so bad. Jordan's afraid of me. And I would say to you, she is not afraid of you. But what happened was the more you said it to me, the more I second guessed myself. And then I was nervous. Well, am I, am I, am I just saying that she's not afraid of her because Gina's my friend and you know, how could she have been okay for six years to live with Gina, but now all of a sudden she's afraid of her. So then I started questioning myself and at the same time, tried to reassure you that Jordan was not afraid of you. Right. And although I knew that there was never anything I did to make her afraid of me, um, you know, he, that's, he would just reiterate that same fact. And um, that was his excuse or reasoning behind why I wasn't allowed to talk to her or the other kids. And there were certainly, I think, a, a few things that happened which gave him, you know, um, maybe a basis somewhat um, mm -hmm. for that situations that he just turned into what he wanted it to sound like or be despite what the reality was. And he was able to twist, um, the situation to his benefit. Gina, can you give me a specific example of when he twisted a situation for you or twisted a situation around? Sure. Um, one, I think the main one that really set the whole fear of the kids um, was I had had to go to work. Uh, it was a holiday and I needed daycare for Juliana and one of her siblings was available, her oldest sister, Jasmine. So Jasmine had agreed to, you know, watch her at the house and take care of her. And at one point I checked on them um, late in the day, close to when I was getting out of work and it was going to be his evening. So I wasn't rushing home, you know, to be with Juliana she was not going to be with me for the evening. So um, uh -huh. anyway, when I called Jasmine to kind of check on things and see how they were doing, she had let me know that they had gone for a ride. She had taken Juliana and was with Jojo uh, and Jordan and that they had gone uh, to eat at a nearby restaurant. Um, and it was uh -huh. literally at a mall 
minutes from my work. So I had asked Jasmine, I said, you know, oh, do you mind if I stop by? I'll come and say hi. You know, I'll surprise Juliana. Don't say anything. And Jasmine said, you know, no problem. Um, yeah, come on over. Just, you know, this is where we're going to be. So when I got there, I wasn't prepared for the fact that his now girlfriend's two children were also going to be there. Had Jasmine told okay. me that, I definitely think I would have not even bothered going. Um, but I went and uh, it was a little too late once, you know, I saw them, they saw me. And it was extremely awkward. Her two children looked at me up and down. Um, they hadn't talked to me since, mm -hmm. um, for months, you know, since that point. And it was a really quick, hi, goodbye. Juliana didn't want me to go, but I could tell it was really uncomfortable, uh, even for me being an adult with a bunch of kids. Okay. Um, so when I left, I went to a nearby restaurant and uh, grabbed something to eat by myself. And I had called their father, who I remained friends with. And I called him because I was upset because I didn't know they were going to be there. It was my first interaction with them in who knows how long. And when we did see each other, they acted in a way as if they either hated me or they wouldn't look at me. It just was very upsetting for somebody who mm -hmm. was around this family all the time because our children. Yeah, for years. So I remember, um, you know, I just expressed being upset and sad and, you know, what are they think and that, you know, they wouldn't talk to me. And the next thing I know is my phone is blowing up while I'm eating dinner at the restaurant. Uh, and I didn't answer it. It was, it was him. I didn't know what he was, uh, you know, my ex going to say. So I didn't think it anything important. He was going to have the kids. Juliana was with Jasmine. What could he possibly have to say that was so important for me to pick up the phone? Mm -hmm. Well, little did I know, <clears throat> um, my friend, the father of the kids, had in the meantime called him and I don't know, even till this day, what the actual conversation was. I know he was afraid of him uh, because he is a retired police officer and he had a little bit of a temper. And um, he ended up coming home yelling at me because our mutual friend had called him, threatened to, as he said, kill him, um, threatened him in ways I don't know because I was not privy to the conversation that actually happened. Um, and he said he feared for his life and that he was taking Juliana and the kids out of the home 
for the rest of the night. They would not be coming home because they did not feel safe because this gentleman threatened their lives. And I remember that catalyst of the children being afraid of me. Afraid. That's really okay. where I remember it sparking and he ran with it. Okay. I, I do remember that. So you were still living. I, I don't think I realized that you were still living in the house with everybody at that point. I was. I was still living in the house at that time. And I remember even calling my friend and, and saying, oh, my God, he he just came home. This is what he said. What did you say to him? And he was laughing and he didn't take a word of it seriously because he was like, what? And obviously what was being told to me was clearly very different than what the interaction they actually had. had. And um, that's just a prime example right there. And that's where the fear came. Right. I remember after that, that episode, you were very on edge about ever seeing them or, or being around them. And this was also around the time that Jordan was going to be making her confirmation. Hmm, yeah. And there was this whole thing, you know, set up and, and we were going to go to a restaurant and I actually had to fly out on a business trip that night and I knew that I couldn't um, make the dinner because I had to fly to Atlanta. And what happened with you? What did uh, Mr. Wonderful tell you? I was uninvited. Um, he told me I would not be allowed to uh, attend and I was the one who brought her half the time to her CCD classes and, and church. church and <laughs> kind of pushed him to do it from the beginning. Um, and yeah, so I was uninvited to her confirmation, which, um, you know, it was, it was a hard thing not to be a part of. I was so pissed off. I, and it didn't matter what I said because he, it's just whatever he wanted, whatever he said was right. And, and that was it. But that um, that whole night, I remember Christine, my my best, well, one of my best friends. She called me and she's like, "I, I don't think he's with her. I think she's with his brother." And I was like, "No, this is this is because you were at the dinner because Christine always wanted to keep the peace with him because she never wanted any issues with Jordan." Or she did, or didn't want to create any um, unnecessary stress between me and him. Sure. And she's like, "Yeah, no, I don't think they're together." And I'm like, "I'm telling you, they're together." And because at that point, they had not made their relationship public to everybody right. at that time. So uh, yeah, that was that was crazy. So I remember then. After weeks and weeks of him asking me or telling me, he never asks me anything, telling me that Jordan was afraid of you. And 
I was like, there's no way she's afraid of her. She would tell me, mom, I don't want to go. I'm afraid of Gina. You know, you lived there for a whole year. And right. I remember telling you, she's not afraid of you. But I finally, like I said earlier, was second guessing myself. And I asked her and I said, are you, are you afraid of Gina? Because if you are, then I need to do something to get you out of that situation. And she said to me, I'm not afraid of Gina. I'm afraid of what dad will do if he finds out that I talk to Gina. So he created these um, levels of fear in everybody. And it was, it was so maniacal because he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew, we always called him, I always called him the button pusher. He knew what would set me off and trigger me and he knew what would trigger you and he knew what would trigger Jordan and everybody else. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this part is he was terrified of you know who. Mm -hmm. and, oh. and like he no, finally yeah. had that fear. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I just, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, even when, before I got full custody of Jordan, when he would, whenever I would have to ask him something, I was terrified to call him. And I don't know if, I know you are still, you still have to deal with him. Thank God I don't. I, I don't ever have to call him. He's blocked. But there were times when I knew I had to talk to him and I would have anxiety about it for probably three or four days. Oh, and, sure. You know. So are you still in a situation like that where you're a little, not afraid of him because he, he can't really hurt you now. Like you're, you're away from him and you have your court agreement and, and stuff like that. But afraid of the confrontation that you will have with him. For sure. There's, you know, any conversation with him, you always wonder, is he going to keep his word? Is he going to follow through? Does what he's saying mean anything? Because a lot of the time he says what he knows you want to hear, if anything, just right. To basically shut you up, but then he'll have no problem going back on his word and either saying, well, I never said that. So then you doubt yourself and think mm -hmm. crazy or say a different version of what he meant um, so that, you know, either way you're thrown off. Right. And no doubt during the years of court, which lasted, you know, five years mm -hmm. from beginning to very end. I would say this last year has been um, the first year, like without any court involvement, which mm -hmm. has been nice because you always had that fear of, of the court system. Yeah. And how could he use it against me? What is he going to come up with that he's going to, you know, threaten me with about going to court? 
that was always there. So, I mean, you're talking from signing on with my lawyer in 2013 and I was well afraid of him before then. So say all of 2013 till last year, you're talking five, six years of living in fear of one person. When I look at him now, I don't know about you, but I'm like, how the hell was I afraid of him? But then he will look at me or I'll see his face and I go right back. You know, it's, it's, I don't know what it is either. It's just, there is a confidence in his demeanor that just is an air of arrogance, an air of complete confidence um, that he portrays. And when you're somebody who is typically the opposite by nature, like myself, you always question yourself. You always doubt, um, second guess yourself. So, you know, it's easy for that person to have one up on you because by nature, they're a certain way, you're a certain way, um, and you're opposites, basically. Right. right? And um, that's often how they choose their women, whatever word you want to use. Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. So I want to, I need to, I want to talk about a situation and and then I I do want to go back to something with, well, let's talk about Juliana right now Mm. is, she experiencing anything like how is this affecting her and she just turned what nine she just turned nine and you know unfortunately um the biggest thing that's affected her is i guess it's really not just one thing because there are a lot of different things um but obviously was with any divorce the breaking up of a family um not having Unfortunately, you know, this situation is is unique in that I keep or we keep in touch with her father's family and her siblings where they have nothing to do with her own father. So that's unique. So when she's with him, she doesn't have that connection there. She only gets it through us. Um, as well as, you know, a broken up family traveling back and forth between homes. And that's really, you know, the biggest thing she's struggling with is the back and forth. It's always been an issue um, ever since I can remember from me moving out. And uh, it's instead of getting better, I thought it was getting better at one point, but you add this pandemic that we're currently in and her world is upside down and it's created a level of anxiety that is so sad. And I don't even know what to do with because um, just going to his home on her usual schedule is upsetting to her. She doesn't want to go. She says she misses me. Um, she is so panic stricken. I, I, 
I don't know if it's that she thinks something's going to happen to me or, I mean, even yesterday she was worrying about it. She'll worry about it anywhere from, you know, one day ahead of time to four days ahead of time to a week and a half to two weeks. Right. Um you know, and I mean, simple thing last night. She said, "Well, mommy, what? Who? You know, you're going to be alone for dinner tomorrow night. What are you? What are you going to do?" And you know, like a nine-year-old shouldn't have to worry about that. Is mommy going to be mm-hmm. okay because she's alone? You right. know, and I assure her, I do everything I can to assure her that I'm okay. And encourage her to spend that time with her father but it doesn't matter what I say it's her own internal um mind that has things going on that I don't even know if she is sharing with me you know is it a simple anxiety or is it more than that Um, well and because you can't even ask him because I know if I would ask him about something that was going on in his house with you or anybody else, I was told it's none of your business. You can't tell me what to do. You have no right to ask me questions. So you, which is bull because you should be able to discuss that, you know? Um, So you don't even know because you don't know if she's not telling you because she's afraid. Right. And you can't ask him. And that's why I haven't talked about it with him for years because I, I just know it would fall on deaf ears and, and not make a difference. Um, although I reached out to him because with this now going on, it's getting to a point it's affecting her, you know, days in advance, ruining a good part of her day. And it, it shouldn't. And I reached out to him because I want to have a face-to-face conversation. Will it change anything? Um, I I don't know, but I feel he, he needs to know. He needs to be, if anything, part of the solution. He needs to know what certain actions over these years has led to. And I'm certainly not going into it accusatory in any way because I truly feel she is cared for. She, I don't worry that mm-hmm. bad is happening, although you never know, but I've asked and she's assured me there's, you know, nothing scary or, you know, the things that run through your mind that a parent fears, um, you know, nothing like that's going on. It, it, she just misses mom. It's, it's a separation anxiety. Yeah. Um, so I like to think because I'm going in it, you know, we're not in the court system. Things have been kind of status quo for a while. We haven't had to have any really real interactions. So I can go at it with a fresh perception, not accusatory, not angry, but rather I'm coming from a perspective of, I don't know what to do. You need to know this is happening and this is only happening because she's coming to your home, which I believe is also a safe place. But how do we fix this? I can't, nothing I'm doing is working and he needs to be able to be part of the solution. Right. Or conversation about our daughter at the very least and be aware. 
and that has caused anxiety for you. I, I guarantee it because you have you heard back from them yet? I did hear back. We okay. uh, solidified. Um, I tried for tomorrow morning. He, uh, we're going to do it Wednesday instead. So two days from now, um, we haven't solidified like time place. Um, but I'm going to, you know, try to just make it quick and in person mm -hmm. and see what he has to say, but I find it interesting because in reaching out to him and saying, I have some concerns, I, I want to talk to you and I want to talk to you in person, which I've not done in the past <laughs> five years since right. I moved out. He didn't even ask me what, what was wrong. The issue is that I want to talk about other than mm -hmm. it's our daughter, Juliana. So right. I just find it interesting that I'm not surprised it's just though. So matter of fact, yeah. everything is just so matter of fact with that man. Um, you know, you would think it would raise some questions if I'm asking you to meet me. It's through. a transaction. Yes, that would probably be the best description. <laughs> a transaction. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, he's he's a piece of work. So yes. okay, let's talk about I. I don't know why I forgot this, but I recently thought about it. And um, when Jordan was graduating from junior high school and getting ready to go into high school, mm -hmm. he called me and said, listen, um, her friend's family, uh, they're going on a cruise and they want Jordan to go and, and can we split the cost of this trip. And I said, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going, I'm going away. I'm doing a couple of things. I don't know that I can afford because you have to remember, I did not get a pen from him right. until 2017. Let's be very clear about that. He paid for nothing. So, um, I spoke to Paul and Paul was like, seriously, you got to pay for half of our vacation. And I said, you know what? She's been through a lot um, because this was right around the time when you guys were going through your divorce. Mm -hmm. So I agreed and I, I wrote a check for half of it because I wasn't going to pay it all up front. And I wrote a check to her, the now girlfriend. And um, I had this gut that was you know, the, this family and they invited Jordan because they were best friends for however many years from 2004 up until 2015. Right. Right. So then his brother was going and my niece, our niece was going and all of these people were going. And I said to him, are you going on this trip? And he said, no, I'm not, I'm not going on. I'm not going on the trip. I'm, I was like, okay, it just seems, it seemed very odd to me that all of a sudden your family is going with her and her family, because her mother was going, like all these people are going. Yeah, I'm so, it's so And in my exactly, heart of hearts. Yeah. So Jordan called me and said, I, I have a surprise. And I was like, what? And she said, daddy's going on the trip. And I was like, of course. Son of a gun. I, <laughs> I was so angry and not that he was, 
Not that he was going, but he had the he talked you balls into to get me it. to pay for half of his family vacation. Yep. Oh, my husband was, I, I don't know how Paul didn't kill him. And I never wrote, I never paid, I don't even know if I paid the second part of that check, but I was so freaking pissed off. So right before, and this was, this was not actually the day before the trip. This was a couple of days before. And I was just, I felt like, again, like I was kicked in the stomach because here he is telling me, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. He was going the whole time. He was going the whole time. And then if you remember, there was a really bad storm. Took advantage. And there was a bad storm. And um, Jordan has anxiety also. And she was very nervous that they were going to have to fly and, and be on a cruise in bad weather. And the day before they were leaving, she called me and said, um, she said that the, um, what did she say? Oh, she said the flights have been changed. Everything, they have to reroute everything because, um, because of the storm. And she said, and I have to, I have to go with um, her friend's grandmother. And she wasn't even going to be able to fly with her father or her friend or her uncle or her cousins. She had to go with this lady's mother. And Jordan was in an unbelievable state of panic. And I was like, well, I will call him right now and make sure that that does not happen. And she's like, you can't call him, mom. Like, um, you can't tell him I, I told you. If he finds out that I told you, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. So right. she's crying. Now I'm worried about her flying in bad weather and with someone she doesn't feel comfortable with. So if you remember, I, the next I remember day, it all as you're talking about it. I, I do remember everything about it. Yeah. Um, I, Jordan told me she was leaving. She was driving with the other one, with the girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And he was driving separately, I guess, because you had to pick up Julie by a printer. And I went, I was going to BJ's up in New York because on Sunday, everything was closed by me in New Jersey. And Jordan told me, mom, I, I left my, uh, my charger. I left this, I left that. So I said, all right, I'll drop it off at the house. She told me what time she was leaving. And I made sure to be at the house before she left. And you and I had passed each other in the street. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, Jordan was gone. And I, I'm like, I knock on the door and I'm like, where's Jordan? I have her charger and I have this. And he's like, get off my property. Get off. If you don't get off my property, I'm going to call the police. And then his brother was there and his brother got out of the car. And I'm like, I think he was a little afraid of me, of what I might say or do. And I said, where is she? And he's like, she went with them. And I said, oh, are you going on this trip? And that was the first time I had confronted him about it. And he's like, I don't have to tell you what I'm doing or blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, you 
convinced me to pay for half of your trip with your girlfriend and your whole family. It was, uh, I, I think about it now and I'm, and it's, it's making my stomach. Well, like, it's upsetting because no, most normal people would not, that would never even cross their mind. So, you know, to know he's taken advantage so many different times on so many different levels, you just can't help but feel used and hurt and betrayed and everything in between because that's exactly what he did. He took advantage of good people. Right. And I don't know about you, but I always felt like I was at a point where, all right, maybe we were in a good place. And no, he is not going to be scamming me like that. And this was, you know, years. This was nine years after I left him, mm -hmm. you know, and eight years I was married. And he still found a way to manipulate me. And I was with a, a, a new family, a new husband, a new home. And he still was able to do it. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even in a relationship with him, you know? And, and it, it, I, I think about that and I'm like, what a jerk I was, you know? And, and if anyone's listening out there to this, if you, if you're going through something like this, let us know. I mean, it's, this is tough. Um, you just constantly feel like you said, Gina used and abused and betrayed and you feel like a moron and it, it's it's just it's devastating it's devastating and you never can trust anything for the next two years i didn't trust a damn thing he said to me oh no and i, I want to say that's i would say you still can't trust anything he says because you, know? you just have that knowledge of what you you've been through and seeing me go through and his own kids including your daughter go through he's not one to follow through on promises so you know it's hard to want to believe anything that's said because you've been lied to so many other times yeah, and it's it's amazing to me that any person could do that to anybody. You know, we took care of his children mm -hmm. for the majority of their childhood. You know, I mean, when I was there, Joe was four. By the time you got there, Joe was what? I don't even know. 10? 13? 12? I think so. For some you reason... Knows? So, sticking out, yeah. So it's just, I don't know, it's, it's, I'm lucky at this point that I do not have to have any face to face conversations, any interaction with him. Uh, child support, finally, I have, it goes right into my bank account. I don't have to talk to him about anything. Right. But, Jordan, you know, she reached out to him over the summer and uh, um, her student loan. 
because I had the year before, and then we have her car, and we have this, and we have a lot of stuff on our uh, in our name. And do you remember what 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 he said? Didn't he tell her to what her? he he said to her? Uh, ask Gina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he I think he said. Tell your mother to ask Gina to co-sign. You guys are so close. And I was like, who does that? Like, this is your daughter. And he's not paying a penny for college because I, I right now don't want to go back to court and look at him. I just, I can't, I am in a good place right now and I don't want to see him. But then he sends a text saying, I'll co-sign her loan and I'll pay for one semester if you discontinue child support. Child support. What yep. the hell is that? Because everything is financially based. Something about money is a priority to him and was always his bargaining chip. I mean, he offered yep. to me after fighting in year uh, for years already in court, I think this was the second time around, um, after knowing I would have wanted to move to Boston to be with my family, um, you know, he, he didn't make that an option the first go around and he absolutely threw it out there as a bargaining chip, um, and said, let's sit down, let's, let's talk about this. And I was so not expecting it, but did the same thing. He said, why don't you think about this? I'd be willing to let you move to Boston with Juliana as long as you don't take me to court for child support. And I just remember just, like being mind blown because first of all, he knew I would have wanted to do that at the very beginning, you know, and I decided for many reasons not to take that option. His, it, had not, it has nothing to do with his money, it has everything to do with my daughter's consistency in her life. And enough had changed at that point and been disruptive that me now getting up and moving back home to Boston where I would have wanted to go, you know, two, three years prior when she was younger and probably would have adapted better. It just wasn't an option. And even my sister and my mother were supportive of that decision because they knew I had Juliana's best interest at heart. And all he would have thrown away because I mean, God only knows would he have come to visit her, how much effort would he have really made to come see her in Boston. He would have potentially thrown right. away mm -hmm. his entire relationship with his daughter for child support. Because I guarantee you I he wasn't coming and staying at a hotel to spend a weekend with her here and there. So you I could just picture that that pickup yeah. schedule. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I know it's uh, crazy to think that way. You really got to wonder who screwed up. Well, and how, let, let me ask you this, and, and I know the answer, but during this whole pandemic and quarantine, how often has he seen her? Um, there have been a few Mondays where he's uh, actually taken her. Um, there was one weekend where he needed me to take her on his weekend because he was traveling. Um, so that automatically gives me three weekends in a row to have her. Um, and then he was supposed to have her for Easter this year. It's his year, but he willingly offered for me to have her. So that is another three weeks. So six weeks there. Um, I think he's only had her one full weekend since it all began. And I think that's part of why it's such an issue right now. She this is what, nine weeks? Yeah. Right. It's amazing. Yeah, and she's already stressing about not this coming weekend, but the following weekend. So we're talking a week and a half in advance. She is already worrying about that weekend with him and being away. I feel so bad. It's, it's, it's terrible because she's such a sweet kid. And I know exactly because my daughter went through it and I know, I know how tough it is as the parent, because the reality is when they're there, they're, she's probably okay. Right. She, yeah. she has all this anxiety and then it, it passes just like it did with Jordan. But mm -hmm. to your point, when Jordan was that age, her brother and sister were there. And she had that connection. And Juliana has these other kids there, but they're not her right. family. They're not, they don't have that bond. It's different. Right. It's, you know, and um, it's, it really is. And I, I hope that when you do see him or talk to him on Wednesday, that you can come to some type of resolution because uh, I, I, you see how Jordan is. You see how this has affected her. She's going to be 21 and the anxiety she, she has is awful. And I know my anxiety is elevated because of it. And sure. I just, I, I don't want to see that happen to yet another child, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, hope, hope he listens. So you'll have to keep me uh, posted on that. I'm sure that could be another episode. And <laughs> it probably could. It probably could. Uh, between the two of us, we're talking a lot of years and a lot of um, a lot of situations. And I just, I, I, the one reason I wanted to talk about, I wanted to touch on this subject, is because there is so much. Um, if you think about it, manipulation that goes into their, their mind and the way that they operate and the fact that you and I, we will, when we get together, sometimes it's all we talk about and not that it's just because it's either affected your kid or my kid, or you had a fight 
or he sent me this. And it's almost like he still has this power. And he's probably at home, not thinking a damn thing about us, thank God. And he's just living his life. And mm -hmm. we're the ones that are still, you know, like stuck in this web. Right. No doubt. And I just feel like it's an important thing to, to put out there. And, and, you know, even though, even though it's hard, I still encourage people if you're in a situation like this and you can get out, get out. Cause it's much, I would rather have that fear than the fear of, of being with a person every single day and wondering what was going to happen to you and wondering if you were going to wake up the next day. And for you, I just think back to all the times that you used to say to me, if anything happens to me, tell the cops it was him. Yeah. And I would get off the phone with you and I'd be in tears. Like, I'd be like, I can't even believe we're, we're having these conversations, you know? Yeah, I've never felt so. that with anybody, you know? And it's a scary reality to think, like, what if? Or have that in the back of your head because of what you're going through that it's a possibility because you don't know what that other person is capable of. Capable of, yep. The uh, other day I was watching, um, what show is it? I was watching Station 19. I don't know if you've ever watched it. No. But they're, no. they're it's really good. This the firefighters in there. But um, <laughs> it's a good show. And it they were touching on this situation with one of the the girls and her, you know, they're adults or whatever. And her mother shows up and says that she's leaving father. And the character in the show says, why are you leaving him? And she's like, he's, he's been abusive and he's done this and the things he did to you. Um, and she said, what did he do to me? He, you know, he made me an Olympic athlete. It was abusive. The way he, she didn't come in first place um, for a race when she was walking like 10 miles or something. He did things that would, he's never hit me. And the mother is looking at this adult and saying, it is still abuse. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting Absolutely. to see it come out more and more. And it was just the last episode, actually, last Thursday. If you get a chance, you should watch it because it was very it was interesting. It was interesting. And um there was another character that talked about her father was brilliant and, and, you know, had an amazing mind, but he suffered with uh, depression and, and some other mental illness. And it, you know, her father never physically hit her or her brother, but he abused them. And the girl was trying to relate that to this other character. And, you know, this one, one person saw it so clearly and the other person was blinded to the fact that it was, abuse right a lot so i'm just happy that it's being it is that. Uh, discussed a little more right mm -hmm. it's true it's really true so um we're here to tell you that it's it's real and it exists and you know but there is hope and and you can get away from it so 
Um, can you think of anything else, my dear friend? Off the top of my head at the moment, I can't say, you know, that there's, you know, anything in particular, um, you know, just that it was a constant roller coaster of ups and downs and fear, um, you know, from initiating divorce to the whole divorce process, even once I moved out. Um, Cause you, again, you just don't know what that person is capable of and what, at, to what lengths they'll go to defend themselves or, or, put other people against you. Um, so it, it, you just have this notion in the back of your mind that things can go wrong at any moment in time and you kind of expect it to. And you feel like you always, right. You're always waiting for it to happen. You're always Absolutely. waiting yeah. because you know, it's, it's, it's coming. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, anyway, I just, um, I hope this helps some, some of you out there. And, uh, if you're living in a situation where you're scared or, you know, you have thoughts like Gina was just saying, if anything happens to me, make sure, you know, the cops know that it was him. Um, you got to tell somebody, just reach out to somebody, talk to someone at the end of our at the end of the podcast, there's information about Never Alone Again Resource Center, um, which is for victims of, of domestic violence. And uh, if and if you need to talk to anybody, call them or or go on our Facebook page and comment to us, and you know, just try to hang in there. So we're here um, for you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for talking again, of my course. dear. I'm sure we'll think of something else that we want to cover. So, so, but, um, so thank you everyone for listening to invisible scars and we'll talk to you soon. Never alone again, domestic violence organization and resource center is a 501 C three nonprofit organization that was created in 1999 to offer empathetic support for victims of domestic abuse. Motivated by personal experience and the awareness of a need for a safe haven, NAG was developed. We are a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to providing high quality and individually tailored support services to victims and survivors of domestic violence abuse and families in need www.neveraloneagain.org